we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer responsibly this morning. And it's a little different. Your response will be the lines of the Lord's Prayer. The words will be on the screen behind me. Oh God, through Jesus' sacrifice, you have restored us as your forgiven children. In his name we pray. Help us to know you through your inspired word and to live by it as children in your family. Give us your Holy Spirit to rule in our hearts and use us to extend your kingdom of grace to others. Make us zealous to carry out your will as gladly as the angels do and to conform our will to yours. Merciful Lord, since you are the provider of all things necessary for our bodies, fill us with trust. Continue to erase our sins and help us gladly to forgive and to do good to those who wrong us. We know the devil seeks to destroy our souls and the world lures us to ruin by appealing to the desires of our flesh. Guard us from the poison of misbelief and the trap of unrepentant sin. Keep safe our bodies and souls, our property and honor. And above all, send the Holy Spirit to preserve our faith in Christ, which leads us to life everlasting. For all these petitions, we look to you as King of Kings and Lord of your church. You alone hold the power to grant our requests. We worship you from whom all blessings flow. Relying on Jesus, who canceled our sins and made us acceptable in your sight, we pray with confidence. Have some questions for thought this morning. What practices make a good teacher? You ever thought about that? What are some things that teachers do to be good teachers? What practices make a good football player a good football player? Practice. <laughs> what skills do they practice over and over again that puts them ahead of the crowd? You could ask Brady about that, I guess, now that he's retiring. What practices make a good business owner? You ever thought about this? There are things that we do, there are habits that we practice that go into being excellent at something. What practices go into good grades? <laughs> right, studying, proper rest, you know, all the things that college students don't do. Um, what good practices, what practices do we have that make us who we are? I have a deep spiritual truth for you today, and I say spiritual because it really applies to every area of your life, but I want you to let this resonate for a while. Your practices are perfectly designed to give you the results that you have. Let me say that again, let that sink. Your practices are perfectly designed to give you the results that you have. If you're financially broke, 
your financial practices are perfectly designed to give you the results that you have. If your grades are terrible, your study habits are perfectly designed to get, you get the point, right? You could apply that to every single aspect of your life. If you sit at home and go, I'm really not happy with my career, your career path and your job performances and your, your application for things and how you send out your resumes, those practices are perfectly designed to give you the career that you have. Whoops, <laughs> right? I mean, you start thinking that through. It is a deep spiritual truth because it affects every area of your life. So it makes sense that as Jesus is preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, he would give his disciples and his followers a few practices that make them good kingdom citizens. If your spiritual life is dry, if your spiritual life, you feel distant from God, I could say it the same way, right? If you feel disconnected spiritually, your practices are perfectly designed to give you the relationship with God that you have. And so Jesus says in Matthew, we're going to read Matthew chapter six this morning as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Just verse one for now. Jesus gives a guiding principle for his disciples, a way to think about it, a way to look at it, and then he gives some examples. Here's what he says in chapter six, verse one. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Beware of practicing your piety in front of others. For by then before others, in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. That is a guiding principle. That is like the thesis statement for the next part of his sermon. Be careful of how you live out your faith in front of others, practicing your faith before others. Notice he doesn't say, don't practice piety. <laughs> that would be weird. He says, beware of practicing it for others. And he says, practice, not display. He doesn't say, beware of displaying your piety in front of others. That's not really what he means. But practicing it where everybody can see it for their sake. So they will look at you and go, oh, look how spiritual he is. Or, oh, look how sacrificial they are because they do this stuff. If that's, now, hopefully they will say that because God has shaped you to practice that. But if you're doing it for the, oh, Look how spiritual I am. You have violated the guiding principle of chapter six, verse one. Pi practice of piety actually shapes our heart to the character of the Father. That's the intent of it. We were supposed to have these practices. We were supposed to do these spiritual activities. We are supposed to engage in what we call sacred rhythms or spiritual disciplines. Fun words for some of us. But if we're do and what and the purpose of them is to make our heart bend to the character and will of God. Think about the way we just prayed the Lord's Prayer. And this is a little spoiler alert. We'll get there in a minute. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That part of the prayer is a confession that we want God's will to be done in here, in our life now. Not our will, his will. And so the practices that he's giving us are designed to shape our character and our heart to look like him. And our actions, the way we live in front of others, are for God's approval, not theirs. 
the why matters, not just the practice. You, I've said this before, I think even in this Sermon on the Mount, you can come to church, you can go to Sunday school, you can sing, you can give, you can attend Bible study and not know Jesus. It's possible. Why? Because you can practice, you can do anything. You can put on a show. I want them to think I'm a good person. I was a youth pastor for a really, really long time and I knew lots of guys who went to church because of how good the girl looked. <laughs> I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, they hadn't been to church a day in their life. They start dating a girl who goes to church every Sunday. Guess where they were every Sunday? With the girl at church. And they would come, the girl would come to me and go, he's not that spiritual outside of Sunday morning. Duh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she goes, I don't, you shouldn't be with him. He's not a Christian. But he comes to church because he's, with, yeah, that's called missionary dating. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, you're not converting him with Jesus. You're converting him with how you look. <laughs> you know what I mean? He can fake it and go to church and look spiritual for the girlfriend because he's doing it for her approval. And it's not real in here. So we can go through the motions and we can certainly go through them for the approval of the significant other or for the approval of our parents or for the approval of our friends or to gain something, business contacts. Hey, I'll go to church at a big church so I can meet people and, and grow my business. Why are you doing it matters. Be careful how you practice your piety, practicing your piety in front of others for their approval for then you get all the reward that's coming to you. If you do it for others, your reward comes ahead of time. He's discussing these practices because he wants to move his disciples towards a greater righteousness than the Pharisees. We came out of chapter five, he kind of drops that bomb. He says, your righteousness should exceed that of the Pharisees. And then we turn the corner into chapter six and he says, but be careful how you practice because I want you to practice it with the right intention so that your righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees. There are stories, and we've talked about them. The Pharisee stands up there and prays on the street corner. Boom, 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 boom. Look how spiritual I am. And prays something like this. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy. And Jesus says, exceed that kind of righteousness. And then he says, here's how. He leads them down this path with a few practices. He says this, verse two. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward, but when, they give, when, you, when you give alms, do not let your, le let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms, will be, may, be, so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret, real reward you. So he gives a, he says, be careful how you practice your piety. Make sure you do it for God, not for others. That righteousness of the Pharisees then is based in our intention. Now think about that for a minute. None of us are perfect. Anybody like, I'm perfect? No, none of us are perfect. We all struggle with something. And a lot of times we really intend to do the right thing and fail. 
right? I mean, you can relate to that. I really want to do better at this, especially in January. You're like, I really intend to lose that weight, you know? Like, I really intend to be, eat healthier or whatever. And then by February, we're like, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, February's next week. We're all like, time to go to Dewey's. You know, like, whatever. We intend to change, and our heart desires it. But as the scriptures tell us, our heart wants it, but our body, our flesh is weak, right? There's those competing desires at play inside of us. But the intention of our hearts does matter when it comes to why we do what we do. Does God, do you pray every day? Do you read every day? Somebody could put all those little lists of things to do on you, and you'd be like, whew, it's exhausting to be a Christian. And you're not gonna keep up with all of it. But God knows in secret what you intend to do. He knows the status of your heart. He knows you're trying to read scripture. He knows you're trying to pray. He knows you're trying to be faithful to his word. He knows that. He also knows you're gonna fail. But when we confess those sins, he is gracious to forgive us. But he's interested in the intention of your heart, where you're going. Am I trying to follow Jesus? Am I trying to become more and more like him? Am I practicing the things that will make me more like Christ? Am I doing those things? And he gives the first example, giving. Hey, a preacher's talking about giving. You know what I mean? Like, what's the first example on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? I can be like him, I preach like that way. Giving, giving alms to the poor, giving charity, to tithing to the church, giving to those in need. And he mentions some trumpets. Can you imagine if we pass the offering plate and you put something in it? You know, like, that would be weird. That would be, all, that'd be a little strange. Hey, hey, Will, can you play a trumpet when somebody puts something in the plate? You know, that'd just be awful. But what is he, it's, he's not literal. There's no ancient practice where they were doing that, quote unquote, in the synagogue. He's using metaphor for like drawing attention to yourself. If I gave you all noisemakers coming into the sanctuary and you're like, you know, you know, you're trying to draw attention to yourself. He's like, look how big the check is I'm putting in the offering plate. That's what he's calling out on. Why? Because why would somebody do that? Look how generous I am. I'm more spiritual than you because I give more than you. That's what he's condemning. In fact, giving to the needy for recognition is like paying for approval. Giving to church in a big way so the building can be named after you is paying for approval. It's not giving. Now, if you give a lot of money and the church decides to do that, what is the intention of your heart? And he says in there also, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. That's one of the weirder passages of Jesus. Like, what do you mean the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing? What does that even mean? It's another lovely metaphor. He's saying being so secret with your practice that part of you doesn't even know what the other part of you is doing. It's an exaggeration. Be so quiet about your giving and so confidential about how you are doing it and what you are doing it for that part of you doesn't even know you're doing it. <laughs> it's an exaggeration, okay? Be like when you wake up in the morning and half, half your body thinks you're still asleep, you know? Like, you don't know what's going on. It's a metaphor. So giving is a spiritual practice. Then there's another one. Prayer, look at verse five. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Catch the refrain there, he said don't give like the hypocrites either. 
Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, but your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive. We also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is not a sermon on the Mount Prayer. I mean, a sermon. Sermon on the Mount Prayer. This is not a sermon. This is not a Lord's Prayer sermon. See? Intention and then difference. This is not a Lord's Prayer sermon. However, we can't like skip over those. Oh, Lord's Prayer. There's the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 9 and 10, let me read those again because they're key verses here. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your name be glorified, God. Your kingdom, not mine. Your will, not mine. That's what that verse says. God's glory, not mine. Provide me with what I need. Forgive my actions. Make me humble enough to ask for forgiveness and merciful enough to forgive those who have wronged me. That's a paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer right there. Think about that for a second. Your, your glory, not mine. Your resume, not mine. Give me, provide for me what I need. I can't provide for myself. I can't take care of myself. I can't possibly get through the day without you, Lord. Forgive my actions when I mess up. Make me humble enough to ask for forgiveness when I've wronged somebody and merciful enough to forgive them when they have wronged me. If that's your spiritual life, you are doing very well. If you're seeking God's glory and you're seeking God's will, you're relying on him for provision, you're asking for forgiveness when you fail and you are merciful to others, you are following the heart of God. And it's right there in the Lord's Prayer. There's a prescription, if you will. But this is in the, in the context here. We're talking about practices. Giving is a spiritual practice. Why is giving a spiritual practice? It's not how big can we build the building. The act of giving is an action of, I am releasing this to you. I am trusting you to sustain me. It's the Lord's Prayer too. When I give to the church, that's money I could be investing in my 401k. But I'm trusting you to provide for me. And I'm showing that by submitting my financials to yours. It's a spiritual practice. It does something in here, whether you give $10 or $10,000, the, the releasing of money to God is an act of trust and an act of faith that changes who you are in here. It doesn't matter the dollar amount. It's a spiritual practice 
that says, I'm humble enough to admit I need you. Or in addition to that, I know that you can do with this better than I can. God's better at this than we are. He's better at providing than we are and he's better at doing something with our stuff than we are. And so I'm gonna confess that as I give. The third one, <laughs> this one's fun. Verse 16, and whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces as to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward but when you fast, Put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may, be not, may not be seen by others, but your father who is in secret, your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Okay, so he's given us three spiritual practices, giving, prayer, and now fasting. Boy, fasting hits close to home, doesn't it? The longer this sermon goes on, the sooner you start fasting. <laughs> it's like, it's lunchtime, Charlie, wrap it up. What have we done with Fasting. It's a weight loss strategy, intermittent fasting. I wanna lose weight, I'm gonna fast. It's a thing, it's a practice, it's a skill that we use to look good. What does the Bible call it? What is the, why would Jesus go, hey, I need you to lose some weight? That's not what this practice is. This practice, the Jews practiced fasting for religious devotion, deep prayer, and for repentance. It was a spiritual practice that says, I trust you to sustain me. I need to repent. I need to feel my repentance on some level. It wasn't a weight loss strategy. It was a, when you're intensely hungry, you realize just how fragile you are. It was a redirecting of energy from feasting to prayer to repentance and time to focus on that that cost me something. Hey, I'm not eating, I'm praying. It's costing me something to be spiritual with God. It's a spiritual practice that we don't do as a church, all right? When was the last time you were called to fast by a pastor or a preacher? Today, no, I'm just kidding. When was the last time you were called to fast by a spirit, in a spiritual practice, in a discipleship group, anything? When have you fasted ever? Right? It's kind of the forgot, it's a forgotten one, right? And this list, by the way, this is not like, okay, here are the three things that Christians do and there's nothing else to do. Jesus is giving examples. If you have medical issues around fasting, please don't take like 24-hour fast and your blood sugar falls to the floor and you pass out. Please don't do that, right? It's a list of practices designed to do what? To shape our heart. If I give my finances, I trust God. When I pray and I ask him for something, when I ask him for forgiveness, when I ask him to sustain me, I am giving something, I'm giving control to God. I'm giving control of my money to God. I'm giving control of my will to God. Your will be done, not mine. And when I fast, I am giving my flesh over to spiritual practice too. These practices are a limited list, not a full comprehensive list, but they are a list of things that help us to surrender control to let God's will be done in our life and not ours. Finances, body, mind, as we pray. So there's spiritual practices. He's preaching through these. And, he, and by the way, it says, and I pointed it out, in all three examples, it says, don't do it like the hypocrites do. 
The origin of the word hypocrite, hypocrites were actors. The origin of that Greek is that's the word for actor. You know, like Tom Cruise, okay? The hypocrites put on a fake face to portray and do a, perform a show. They looked one way, but they were another. We call that hypocrisy. That's the basis for it. It was acting. So Jesus says, don't pray like the, like the actors do. In other words, don't do these spiritual practices to put on a show that you're one thing when you're really another. And it's in all three. Don't do it for the wrong reasons. Don't do it for fake reasons. Don't do it to get the girl. Don't do it, don't do it for whatever reason that glorifies you or for somebody else's approval, not for the approval of your Father in heaven. When you do it for yourself or when you do it for their approval, you've already got your check. You've already got your reward. But do it in private. Practice it on a regular basis because it shapes who you are and God will reward you for your diligence. The reward is not, oh, look, I gave, so I got a lot more money. The reward is not, oh, I prayed, so look how spiritual I am. The reward is, oh, I fasted, look how thin I am. That's not the reward. The reward is the shaping of your heart and your life to look more like Christ. God uses these practices to make you more and more like him. To shape your desires towards worshiping God, toward God's will, towards seeing God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. I ask you at the outset of this sermon, what practices make a good teacher? What practices make a good businessman? And I ask again, what practices make a good Christian? Here's a few. But your spiritual practices are perfectly designed to give you the spiritual life that you have. If you don't feel very Jesus-like, if you don't feel very worshipful, if you don't feel very connected to God, then maybe there's a practice or two that need to shift. Not because God will love you more because you're doing more prayer time. <laughs> By the way, I need to qualify this that way, right? We don't do spiritual practices so God will love you more. We do these because we love God and make us love him more. God already loves you as much as he's ever gonna love you. And that's more than you can imagine. Praying more, giving more, fasting more is not going to change that. But praying more, giving more, fasting more, any other spiritual practice you can think about will make you desire and love God more. It'll change who you are. It'll shape who you are. It'll shape your heart to give glory to our Father in heaven. If you didn't get one, if you're new or whatever, and you haven't picked up one yet, we have journals in the lobby. And so if you didn't get one on the way in or you've not picked up one after a couple of Sundays, please take one with you as you go. But each week as I do this and as I walk through these messages in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm giving you a thought to journal in that journal. It's the entire gospel of Matthew with some space to write. That is our gift to you. But what I've been doing is saying, hey, this week, here's an area of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's a prompt. Here's a writing prompt. Here's a meditation. Here's something to be thinking about. So as I'm talking about spiritual practices, here's, some journal, here's a journal option for you if you're, not, if you're a note taker. If you're not a note taker, that's okay. Add your email to our email list and I send it out on Monday and you'll remember <laughs> Okay, a little cheat sheet there. 
Why, why do I do the spiritual practices I do? Think about that this week. Why do I go through the motions? Why do I go to church? Why do I read my Bible? Do I read my Bible? Do I go to church? Like, why do I do the things I do? Because somebody wants me to. Because I want to. Because God's told me to. Do your own soul search. That's what a journal is for. By the way, journaling's a spiritual practice. It is. Ask God, why am I, help me understand this, God. Why am I doing the things that I do? Why am I doing them? And then the second part of that could be this. What practices need to change? What do I need to add? What do I need to take away? What's one thing this week, one practice I'm gonna put in some time and effort on because my practices are perfectly designed to give me my relationship with you. Which means, if you want it to change, you have to change the practices. Not perfect. No football player is perfect. They practice like crazy. They still blow it. But the practices are perfectly designed to leave you where you are. Something has to change. Let's pray. Gracious God, shape our hearts with a desire to worship you. We know this morning that that worship takes on all kinds of forms. Singing, fellowship, giving, prayer, fasting. We confess this morning with our mouth, all we want to do is worship you with our whole heart and life. We ask that your spirit would empower us to do that. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.